handing out back at the doors. Uh, as Paul said, today does start our first week of our campaign series. Uh, back a couple months ago, Paul and I were talking about what we could do in the fall for a campaign, and we settled on the idea of family worship, worshiping God at home. And so we entitled this whole campaign series, As For Me and My House. And of course, we have our booklets here. Uh, the booklets have a lot of different things in them, as Paul said. Uh, there is small group material in here. If you're a part of a small group, uh, we do want to encourage you to interact with the material. If you're not part of a small group, then I want to encourage you to use the small group stuff as a daily devotional. Really, a lot of it is, is just reading the passage. There's a few questions to make you think. And then there's an application section. So we definitely want you to, to work through it. There's also a personal reflection time in here that we want to uh, encourage you next week to do. Uh, and then on top of all of that, in the back, we do have some uh, resources as well as hints and guides on how to help make uh, worship time at your house successful. Then we also uh, try to deal with different situations that people are in. Uh, how, how to prepare your family worship time. Uh, what happens if our family has a lot of small children? What happens if our family has teens? What happens if it's just me and my wife? What happens if our kids are moved out? What happens if I'm single? We try to cover all of that in the booklet, so we want to encourage you to look through it. There's a lot of helpful hints and guides in it. But today, uh, we're going to be on page one of the uh, very front here, October 16th Sermon Notes, Leading Your House in Worship. Today we're going to be looking at Joshua 24, 14 through 15. The family unit is very special. In fact, it's been said that the family is the basis for all of society. Right? It's the key or core unit. What happens to the family will determine what happens in society. So if the family is strong then society is going to be strong. It's going to be united. It's going to be together. If the family is spread out, if the family is dissolving, what's going to happen to the rest of society? And unfortunately, we see some of the effects of that today, right? Most marriages, unfortunately, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And so families get torn apart, and they get scattered. Kids start living with whoever. And then... Look at what happens to culture around us today. What's going on in the world? We see, unfortunately, unrest and fighting all the time. But you see, the family is the core unit of society. And the reason they say that is, is because you learn a lot from your families. So when you take a look at the family, some things you learn from them is how to be social, how to talk with other people. And in fact, your communication skills... Start where at? At home, from your family. So what your parents or your siblings say, you're going to end up learning to say the same thing, right? You're going to start repeating because that's what you hear all the time at home. But same with uh, child raising. How your children are going to raise their children will be greatly impacted about how the parents have raised them. And then going on, we even see friendships. The way your kids make friends is greatly influenced by how you make friends. Your kids learn all of these things, but by far the most important thing that your kids will learn from you 
is how to spiritually grow and spiritually develop. In fact, how your kids see you work at home, how they see you work here at church or or worship at church, how they see you live your life, they're going to imitate a lot of that. And you're going to leave them with something. For me, my parents, uh, back when I was a kid, living uh, back with my parents over here in High Spire, one thing that they made sure that they got across to us kids were that family was important. And so no matter what, when family was in, we dropped everything to make time for them. And unfortunately, sometimes it was we would even drop church. Now, my family's pretty scattered. We, we have, I have a sister out in Indiana. I have a sister who, who just finally moved back here to Harrisburg. She was down in Virginia for a while. I've got family in Georgia and New York and Colorado, all over the place. But when they were in, my parents made sure our family was together. And you see, I don't know whether or not my parents meant to do this, but they left an imprint on my mind. Family is important. All right, that's not bad. But when it becomes the ultimate thing, when I drop everything for family, sometimes there's issues, there's conflicts there. And family's not always going to be around, are they? So the question is, what are we leading our houses in worship? Parents, today we're going to encourage you to take a look at what are you leading your house in worship of. You're worshiping something. Singles, we want to encur- or individuals here that aren't married, we want to encourage you to take a look at what are you worshiping at home. For many of us, we come to church, we worship God, we worship Christ, we love singing the songs, we love studying God's Word here at church. But as soon as we walk out the back two doors... Life begins, and something else takes over. And we want to pray today that that's not what's happening in your life. That's not what's happening at your house. But we know Scripture talks a lot about this. Unfortunately, the family is being torn apart today. Do you know how many hours a week the family spends together? I actually found this statistic rather interesting. On average, throughout the week, the family spends about eight hours together. Four of those hours are on Saturday and Sunday. That means Monday through Friday, the family's spending almost less than a half an hour a day with each other. The family's getting torn apart, and it's for a lot of different reasons. So just real quickly, you know, what, what are some things that people worship at home? Why is the family getting torn apart? Why, what's going on? Sometimes the family worships the wrong thing. And the first thing that we see the family worshiping could be their jobs. Their jobs are all important. So they'll, they'll leave family behind to make sure that they are successful, that they get further in life. Some other things are friends and families. Okay, we'll, we'll leave our kids at home with the babysitter so we can go have fun with our friends. And then TV and video games, right? Spending hours together around a TV is not necessarily family time. You're not growing deeper. You're not growing together. And so unfortunately, these things, they take time. And kids, they want to watch their TV shows or they want to play their video games. Parents want to watch their TV shows. And so they keep getting spread out throughout the house. And we find that the family's meeting less and less together. And then sports, right? Sports sometimes pulls pulls us apart. Sports can easily take over our schedules. And unfortunately, sometimes we put them first in life. And we say because sports 
will get my kids further. I'm going to make sure that they're there and looking for their sport. And we'll talk more about this. But the family's getting torn apart slowly. And sometimes because they worship the wrong thing. So if you turn to Joshua 24, 14 through 15, we're going to look at two verses today. Joshua 24, 14 through 15. It says this, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the god of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now this is an interesting passage. Many of us probably know this. What's going on is Joshua is getting near the end of his, his time as the leader of Israel. Israel is getting ready to go in and start conquering the land of Canaan. And he gathers the people of Israel around him. And he, in fact, before these verses, he gives a long spiel about what God has done for them already. How he's brought Abraham out of a land, gave him a promise and a son. Then Jacob, he's given him 12 sons. He made them prosperous and grow. And then down in the land of Egypt, God has rescued them from slavery, brought them through the desert, started giving them victory already. And Joshua goes on to this. The first thing we note is Joshua asks a question. Whom will you choose to serve? You see, he says this because he knows the people of Israel are going to choose to serve someone. And they need to know that for themselves who that person is going to be or what that thing is going to be. So he asks them the question, who will you choose to serve? And this isn't a hypothetical. Joshua wants an answer back. But before the people answer, he gives them three options. He says, look, you can choose to serve the gods of your fathers, the gods that Abraham, before he knew God, the one true living God, what he and his fathers worshipped, wood and metal and stone. Or you could choose to worship the gods down in Egypt where your fathers were at. The ones that, oh yeah, right? They're powerless. Ten plagues just came against Egypt, destroyed most of Egypt. You could worship those gods. They couldn't do anything, though, to defend themselves against the one true living God. You can choose to go back to those things. And he says, but it's kind of pointless, isn't it? God has already showed his power against them. Then he gives them the next option, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. Joshua is starting to go in, and he's saying, look around you. You can serve the gods that the people around you are worshiping. But take note, God has already started to give you victory over them. Their gods could not save them from you. And he says, you could choose to serve them. But why? Why bother? And then he says, you can choose to serve Yahweh, the one true living God. And he says this because what? God has already delivered them from slavery. He's already delivered them from death. He's delivered them from their enemies in the land of Canaan. And he's also delivered them through the desert. Joshua poses this and he says, look, you have three options. You have to choose something, though. 
So what is Israel going to choose? If you read on, you'll find the answer to that. But we want to focus on what Joshua says. Joshua tells the people that both he and his house are going to serve the Lord. Have you ever thought about why Joshua includes his house in this? I mean, wouldn't it be enough for Joshua as the leader to say, I will choose to serve God, though? Why does he include his household? It's a good question. It's one that I was thinking about, and I was trying to figure it out. And as I came up with the answer, I I think it's pretty clear how the rest of the chapter goes, that Joshua understood his responsibility and role, not only as a leader in Israel, but as a father, as a husband, and as an elder in his family. He had influence. What he was going to worship would greatly impact the rest of his family. And so when he chose to serve God, he said, when I choose to serve God, I lead my household, my household is going to follow after me. Joshua decided, because he knew his role and responsibility, that not only he was going to serve God, that he was going to lead his family to do so also. So it's important, right? Joshua says, look, we're going to serve God. And he lists a couple different ways that he serves God. He says, you need to first fear God, understand who he is, have a proper respect of him. You need to serve him in sincerity. What that means is in integrity or honesty. And you also need to serve him in faithfulness. Be consistent. Continue to choose him. But Joshua does note, he says, look, you guys may not understand why I choose to serve God. And so he says, look, if it's evil in your sight, the word evil there also means worthless or pointless. If Israel, you think it's pointless to serve the one true living God who's done all of this already for you and is going to do this for you, don't bother. Choose something else. But he makes sure that he is going to stand for the one true living God. So what does that mean for us? The decision for us today. You and your houses have a choice of what to serve and what to worship at home. You can worship God here, which is great. And I pray that you don't disconnect church in your house. That what you worship here is what you worship at home as well. But you have a decision today. Parents, you lead this decision. But kids, you also have a choice. What are you going to serve and worship at home? The first one could be the gods of your parents that they worshiped. Like I said, my parents put a pretty big imprint. Family's important on me. Maybe your parents passed something else down to you. Maybe it was the idea of social standing. Your family had to look good in society. It had to seem perfect, spotless. It had to seem like you had everything together. And maybe you put that on your family as well because you learned it from your parents. Maybe it's money. Maybe your parents chased money because they wanted to be financially secure. And so they left their family behind and they just did their job over and over again. They rarely ever saw their parents. And when you grow up and you have a family, what's going to happen? You're probably going to mimic those same traits. But there's other things going on, right? Sometimes it's the idea of traditions. You know, we've always done it this way, so we do it, and we continue on. 
So what are you worshiping? Are you worshiping the gods that your parents set up for you, that your parents had in place, that your parents passed down? That's one option for us today. The second one is the gods of culture around us. You see, the Amorites were surrounded Israel. They were going into their land. They were taking them, and Israel could look around and see, you know what, their cities look pretty good. Their crops look pretty good. Maybe we should worship these worthless gods. You today have a choice to worship the gods around you that culture promotes. As we said, money is a big one. Culture always promotes money. Why? Because if you have money, you can do whatever you want. You have whatever you want, and you can get whatever you want. So you could choose to chase after the gods of culture. Some other things that culture promotes are fame. You need to be famous. People need to know who you are. You need to make a name for yourself. And another one is love and romance, right? You chase after the feeling of love, and once you have it, you just hold on to it. But once it's gone, you leave everything else behind to go chase after the next thing that makes you feel good, makes you feel like you're in love. It makes you feel satisfied or happy. And so what happens is people drop all their commitments, all their promises. They leave things behind. And they chase after these things, hoping that it's going to make them happy, hoping that love or romance or or whatever this relationship is that they're going after is going to satisfy them, and then they find they have it, and they don't want it anymore. It, It really wasn't the key. And so we can choose to serve the gods of culture. One other one is sports. Our, our culture promotes sports a lot, doesn't it? How often is sports on? All the time, right? Okay, the first service I was trying to make a point, and I just thought about it. But, I mean, you look at football alone, right? Starts Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Do they have games on Tuesday yet? Yes? Okay. Thank you, Marty. You follow football. <laughs> so, seven days of football. Baseball's the same way. There's usually always a baseball game on. But what happens is culture promotes, okay, sports is good. You know, it's getting people active. It's not necessarily bad. But the problem is they raise it to a height that your kids should be in sports. You should push them in their sports. You should make sure that you sacrifice everything for them in sports. Why? Sports will get them places. What happens when you get into high school? You're looking for scholarships in sports so that you can go wherever you want. Once you're in the professional realm, you play a sport, you're looking to make big money. And so it's very possible that sports is a god that culture is promoting for us to worship. Will you choose to serve the gods of your parents? Choose to serve the gods of culture around you? Or will you choose to serve Christ? the one who has saved us from sin. You see, just as Yahweh, as, as the Lord, God, he, he saved Israel from so much. He did so much for them. God didn't just stop there, though. He kept on going, and he continues on going. He sent his one and only son to die for us, for sin in our life. And he's given us everything. Not only has he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, he's given us eternal life. He's given us hope. He's given us value. He's given us truth. We could choose to reject him, but we have to then serve something else. 
And to be quite honest, when we compare the gods, Christ seems so much better than everything else. Because everything else is temporary, it's fading, it's not lasting. But Christ is eternal. And he brings eternal hope. So what God is it that we're going to choose to worship today? We all have to make this decision. Parents, you lead your house in worship. What you worship at home, the rest of your family is probably going to worship. Husbands and wives, what you worship at home will greatly impact how your spouse worships at home, what they worship at home. Kids, you're probably seeing your parents do things, setting up priorities. And we want to pray that their priority is to teach you Christ and show you God at home and to worship him at home as well. But you have a choice as well as kids of what you're going to choose to worship at home. And that's going to impact your future. That's why I think this campaign is extremely important. It's not just for people with kids. It's not just for the couple that just got married and is thinking about starting a family. It affects you at the very beginning at a young age. Do you worship God at home? Do you have that quiet time, that time where you just grow spiritually and you go deep with Christ by reading his word and praying? It impacts you as an individual. But not only that, as a family, as a couple. Are you loving each other right? What is your marriage built upon? Because to be quite honest, if it's built upon money, it's going to fall through. Because once the money's gone, what's left? If it's built on love, unfortunately, emotions can be tricky, right? We don't always feel like we're in love. So once those emotions are gone, what do you have left? Your marriage should be founded on the solid rock of Christ. And so, husbands and wives, what you've built your marriage on greatly matters. And what you worship at home greatly matters. If you have kids, understand your kids are looking up to you, parents. They're looking up to you. And what you teach them now is what they're going to do with their families and what they're going to do with their families. And when you look at Joshua's effect, when he said, me and my house, we will serve the Lord, read the end of the chapter. The whole generation around Joshua, they choose to serve God. And as soon as Joshua dies, it seems like everything starts to fall apart. Joshua had a huge impact in his generation. You can do the same. You can have a great impact not only on your generation, but the generation after you and the generation after them, and so on and so on. And that is how you start to shape and change culture, change society. So parents, you lead your house in worship. What is it that you're worshiping at home? I want to pray today that God is laying something on your heart, that if you are worshiping at home, kudos to you. Uh, that's great, and continue doing that. I hope he encourages you and lays a new burden on your heart just to continue to work on it. But if, he, if he's showing you something, a God that you're worshiping at home that you shouldn't, I want to pray that you put it away for your family. Get it right. Put it back into the right perspective. Put God first above everything else. And put that idol away. 
Because it's not good for your family. And it's not good for you and your spouse. But So we're praying that you see that and God continues to work in your hearts and the minds. There's always things that we need to improve on. But we also want to pray that you talk with your spouse about this, okay? Husbands, when, when we do things like this, we get super zealous and passionate, and we feel like God's putting a burden on our hearts, and we say, we're jumping right into it, here we go, uh, and we leave our family behind, and we just make the decision. Talk with your spouse about this, okay? Talk to each other. Figure out a time that works for everyone in your family, where you're naturally together, for me and my family, when I was growing up, it was the dinner table. I don't know why, but we always seemed to be there together. Now, my mom had a few rules. The first one was there was no electronic devices at the table. Okay, Good rule. We still do that at Thanksgiving. My sister still breaks it every day. Anyhow, but she had that rule, and the second rule was my oldest sister is a nurse. She worked down in Harrisburg Hospital as, a, uh, as her intern and, and training and stuff like that. And so she would come home and have really weird stories. <laughs> uh, if you work in the medical realm, you know what I'm talking about. The rule was there's no bodily functions at the table, or talk about bodily functions at the table. Okay, So that eliminated all of her stories, which is kind of good. But you see, we were all just naturally around the dinner table together. Okay, And we were all there. We were already talking. And you know what's super easy is if, if that's your natural time where you're together, why not just divert it a little bit and say, hey, we're going to read our devotion and, and pray for each other, or I'm going to pray for our family. You know, that's really important because it shows kids, hey, you know what, my parents don't just worship God here at church. And if you've ever thought about this, kindergarten through third grade are here for the first half an hour, 45 minutes of the sermon, service. Is that the only time they see you worshiping? 45 minutes is not a whole lot of impact. And so we want to encourage you to take this at home, too. Connect your house with church. Worship God not only here at church, but at home. And show your kids that he's a priority in your life. But talk with your spouse. Don't just try and jump into all of this, okay? It's, it's going to be hard if not everyone's on board, and if it just doesn't naturally happen. But the next one is that we want you to start today. Okay, this whole campaign, we, we want to start it today. And we have, we have a whole bunch of different things in the book for you to look over, and again, I want to encourage you to read through it. We have keys to success at home. One of the keys is keeping it short and sweet. Sometimes we get zealous and we say, yeah, we're going to do this for a half an hour with my family. If you have small kids, you know your kids can't sit a half an hour and listen to someone talk. Okay, we want to encourage you with 10 minutes at a time. When you're naturally together, we want to encourage you to take the 10 minutes to read a devotional and pray. If you don't have a devotional, if you don't know where to start, pick a passage of the Bible that means a lot to you or a lot to your spouse. Talk to your kids about it. Pray. If you don't know where to start in the scripture, we've got plenty of devotionals out back. Our Daily Bread has good stuff for you. Not only that, but we have devotionals on the book rack now for couples, for families, and for individuals. This is important. Worshiping God at home. Because we don't worship God just at church, we worship him with all of our life. And we want to encourage you, don't put this decision off. 
All right, don't put this decision off. Don't say, I'm going to start next week or I'm going to start the new month off, right? Because most likely by the time November comes around, you're going to forget, and then the holidays come up and you get super busy. Don't do that. The upcoming weeks, Paul's going to be talking about the framework, what it looks like. He's going to be talking about some of the benefits. What's really cool is when I put this together, I, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm starting a family. He's at the, end of, at the other end of life. He's already seen how this has played out. I struggle with me and my wife. We, we go to the dinner table, and at the end, I usually try and read a devotional and pray for our family. Paul, he's at the other end, which is it's cool, because he can tell me the benefits he sees in his family and how they've grown from doing this and how important it is. And so you're going to get a chance to hear from him. And what's cool is, is he's going to do the framework, what it looks like, what's important in this time. He's going to talk about some of the excuses we make for not doing it as well. But we want to pray that you start today with worshiping God at your house. Decide today, husbands, wives, parents of kids, even you as an individual, as a single person who may never have been married, who may be looking to get married, choose today who you are going to worship at your house. And we want to pray that you make that decision Christ. Because he's the only thing that is solid and eternal. And he makes all the difference. Anything else that you build your family upon is going to fall. It's going to shatter, and it's not going to last. So who are you worshiping at home? Again, as for me and my house, I will choose to serve. We will choose to serve the Lord. Let's all stand in and close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for the opportunity we have today to gather together as a body of Christ, to worship you, to study your word, to glorify you in songs, Lord. We thank you for all of this. Lord, we want to pray that we will continue to choose to serve you in our houses, that there won't be a disconnect from what we do here at church to what we do at our house. Lord, I do want to pray that you continue to help us, show us how worthless the gods around us are, how worthless the gods of our parents are, and show us how important it is to serve you and to put you as the foundation for our family. Lord, we want to pray that you continue to stir in our hearts and our minds this passion to love you at home and to spend time with our families, to continue to work on this. Lord, we also want to pray that you just continue to help us change the culture and the society around us. Help us to show what a good, strong, loving family is built upon and how it can make all the difference. Help us to impact the generation today and tomorrow. Lord, I do want to pray that you just keep us safe and continue to work and grow us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.